Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. How are we doing, guys? Good, good. It's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, I love being in this place on Sunday mornings. I, I love being at Starbucks during the week. Um, you know, that's, that's awesome. That's kind of my jam where I like to go. But I love being in this place on Sunday mornings. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite places to be. Um, I love Sundays because that's when we get to gather together like a family. It's kind of like a, like a big family reunion. You come together, you, you hang out a little bit, you talk about each other's week, talk about what God's doing in your life, uh, you talk about maybe even some struggles that you have. It's kind of like a, like a family reunion. Um, you know, it's, I admit there's probably a few crazy uncles in this group too. You know, you guys know those, that happens as well. You go to the family reunion and hang out with the crazy uncles for a little bit. There's a few of those in this. I'm not going to name you, but... Uh, or shame you, but we know they're all here, right? It's just a quirky bunch of people. But this, if, if this is what City Light is to you, um, this isn't all that City Light is, all right? We're not just about the, the Sunday gathering. Uh, one of the uh, things we like to say as a church is a, uh, the church is a people. It's not a place. So we often say, hey, I'm going to go to church this morning. That's, uh, that's not really what a church is. A church is a group of called out people that uh, uh, multiply disciples and plant other churches. That's what, that's what a church is. They're called out by God's purpose to do God's, uh, God's will. And so we hope that we are that type of church. And one of the ways that we, um, one of the other ways that we make and multiply disciples is uh, on throughout the week, we have these things called city groups. And so groups get together uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We don't have a Friday group yet or a Saturday uh, or a Sunday group, but uh, groups get together throughout those, those days and they talk about their week. They talk about how things are going. They uh, learn from the Bible. They dig into each other's lives a little bit more. And so if, if you think this is all that the church is, there's so much more to it. There's so much more to it, and we'd, like, we'd invite you to be a part of that. So if you want more out of a church, if you want, more, want to be more part of the church, then jump into a city group. It's uh, easy to do. Just uh, fill out one of the uh, Get Connected cards that's on the exits that you guys leave, or just see Ken or I or Jordan or someone, and we'll point you in the right direction. Just literally, if you want to know about a city group, just ask someone around you, and they'll probably be able to give you uh, a good idea as to how to get into one. Um, how many of you guys said Merry Christmas yet this year? All right. Still got a, still got a few out there. How many of you wait until somebody says Merry Christmas to you? Okay. I don't. I try to say Merry Christmas to people. I've said it a few times this year. I think I maybe even said it a, a few times this morning, but our family, we are in all out Christmas mode. We just celebrated uh, Thanksgiving and now we feel like we can hit the gas when it comes to celebrating Christmas, right? Um, and so we, ordinarily we go the weekend after 
uh, Chris, or after Thanksgiving, we, we, you know, we start all the festivities. But, you know, as families change, as families get bigger, as they get older, kids get older, more people are added to the family, got to change tradition a little bit. And so what we did this year is we, uh, the day after Christmas, we got our kids together, had our Thanksgiving dinner, uh, hung out for a little bit, went over to Dappin Tree Farm, got our Christmas tree, uh, brought it back and decorated, ate some pie, had some, had some fun. We changed it up just a little bit. But this time of year, it reminds us, it reminds me of uh, things that we get to be thankful for. We've been given a lot, right? I don't know about you guys, but as you look around, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think, I think everybody this morning probably slept in a bed last night, maybe. There's probably a good chance that in this room that we probably slept in a bed last night. We probably had a coffee or some type of chosen beverage this morning that we wanted to to drink. We maybe even had a donut, imbibed a little bit. But we're blessed. We are blessed people, and there are a lot of things to be thankful for. We've been given a lot. And the greatest gift that we've been given is Jesus. Right? We, in our family, we get together this time of year and we celebrate Jesus a lot. But we, we celebrate not only like, I mean, yeah, we celebrate baby Jesus. We're getting ready to, like we, we do that. But we celebrate that baby Jesus grew up. He, he lived a perfect life. He died a death that we should have died. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And he, here's my hope. My hope is that as we gather together um, as the Kaiser family, that we celebrate more than just family. Like, a lot of times we, this, I hear, I've even heard people say, this time of year is about family. This time of year is about celebrating Jesus. So I don't want us to celebrate family for the sake of family. I want us to get together and celebrate Jesus as we gather as a family. That's our hope. That's what we want to do as as the Kaiser family. That's what I hope our traditions lead to, is more celebration of Jesus. And just like our family has some celebrations and some traditions that we do every year to help us celebrate Jesus, our church has a tradition of spending the weeks prior to Christmas to concentrate on celebrating Jesus. And so this year, we're looking into the the chapters of uh, Luke 1 and 2, and we're, you know, we're going to celebrate that. And just like I don't want us, the Kaiser family, to gather together just for the sake of gathering together as family, and that family becomes the most important thing, I don't want us as a church family just to gather, just to gather, just to check the box. I want us to gather every week, whether we're leading up to Christmas or whether we're in the the cold, uh, dark hours of January and February. I want us to gather to celebrate Jesus. Whether we're in the life and, and leading up to times of Easter, I want us to gather to celebrate Jesus. Whether we're in the vacation period of, of summertime, I want us to gather to celebrate Jesus. And so this year, as we, as we gather together leading up to Christmas, man, can we, can we commit to our, like, can we just commit this morning that we're not just going to check a box. We're going to gather and we're going to celebrate all that Jesus is doing and look to see what he might be doing in our life. 
So we're in Luke chapters 1 and 2. And um, just to kind of give some background, the Bible is divided into two parts. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, The Old Testament's made up of 39 books by various authors. The New Testament's made up of 27 books, again, by various authors. And the first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We look at those as the, um, the Gospels. That's what they're called. And they're called the Gospels because they tell the good news of Jesus. They actually share the story of Jesus from Matthew and Luke, share from his birth all to his resurrection. And uh, they, they share the good news of Jesus. They share the story of how God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, with all those books, with all those uh, different stories that are in the Old Testament and New Testament, it might, is it, it might be easy to get lost, right? It might be easy to lose your way in the story of the gospel that starts in Genesis and ends in, in Revelation. It might be easy to get, get lost in that. It's kind of like, um, I use it all the time, but it's, it's true. How many of you know the Marvel series? Huh? Come on, guys. I need some talk back here, all right? need some talk back. Uh, The Marvel series, I don't know about you guys, I get lost in it. Uh, Am I alone? I just this, I like, I used this example like four years ago in another sermon, and it's still applicable today. (laughs) This year, there were four different uh, Marvel movies that came out. Another one's getting ready to, to come out. Uh, I think it's the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Edition or something. But it's easy to get lost in the story of Marvel. And it's, it's similar with the Bible. It's easy to kind of get lost in the story of the gospel. But I'm thankful that God cared enough about his story to make sure that we don't get lost in that story. God wants us to have clarity in the good news of the gospel. And so he had these guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, share their story, share their unique perspective of, of, of how Jesus lived, how he, of his birth, how he lived, how he died, and how he rose again. And they wrote down this true story almost 2,000 years ago, and God preserved this story so that it would be clear for us as to why Jesus came. And the part of the story that we're looking at today starts out with a young woman being afraid, but ends with a promise of hope. So here's what we're going to see today. God is with us because he gives us hope of a coming king. All right? God is with us because he gives us hope of a coming king. Now, before we get into what uh, Jordan read for us this morning, I kind of want to set the table a little bit about uh, how we got to this point to where Mary's, uh, Mary's at and the angel actually comes to her. In the Old Testament, um, prophecy kind of works a little bit like a pregnancy test. You guys are like, okay, Chuck, where are you going with this? But it, it really does work a little bit like a pregnancy test. It speaks the truth about the present and the future. All right. Speaks the present about the tr- uh, uh, speaks the truth about the present and the future. However, different those two might seem. And so, like the like a the, hand, the uh, a pregnancy test in the hands of parents, prophecy can bring joyful news, or it can bring sad news. Right? 
And people in the Old, Old Testament, they experienced both. Um, centuries before Jesus was born, prophets warned that uh, if you guys, if, if we don't repent, as a nation, if you don't repent and turn back to God, bad things are going to happen. Judgment is going to come. And so God's people didn't listen to those prophets. They didn't repent. So what happened? Exactly what the prophets said was going to happen. Judgment happened. The, uh, the, the Assyrians came in and took over uh, the, the nation of Israel. The Babylonians invaded. They took over the Assyrians. All, all while the, God's people was being put into bondage. They were slaves to the people that in, invaded their, their uh, territory. You guys tracking with me? All right? Hanging? All right, we've got a little bit more to go, and there's a reason why I'm doing this. In the midst of all this, the prophets promised that one day God would send an everlasting king to rescue his people. That's the good news. A king that was even better than a king that had been like their famous King David. Um, they, the prophets prophesied that there was a better king coming than King David. And one of those prophets was a guy named Daniel. And look what he prophesied about this future king. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, I saw in the night, in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Daniel had a vision of someone that was like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, who received from God himself dominion and glory and the kingdom. That all people, all nations, all tongues, all tribes, all languages should serve him. And that this kingdom is going to be an everlasting kingdom. It's going to be an everlasting dominion. That it's not going to pass away. It's going to be forever. And so that's what God's people waited on. But like parents, year after year, who aren't able to conceive, aren't able to get pregnant, God's people waited, and yet there was no king. No king. So eventually the the Persians took control from the Babylonians and things started to look up. The, the king of Persia said people can, the people of Israel, rather than being uh, in the city of Babylon and in the area of Babylon, they could go back to their home and uh, begin to worship as they once did. The new Persian king had allowed the Jews to return to the land and rebuild their temple, but they were still living under foreign rule. Then the Persians were invaded by the Greeks, and things went absolutely crazy. Greek culture with their false idols um, just overtook everything. The Jews were barred from practicing their faith, and now all of this kind of kind of culminated um, in, in uh, the, the Greeks going into the Jewish temple and, and just completely corrupting uh, the Jewish temple. Jerusalem was turned into a uh, the the temple in Jerusalem was turned into a pagan shrine. Can you imagine that? 
We really don't have much to compare that to these days. But the Jewish temple was the centerpiece of their society. It was what they, um, it was what they looked to. And this foreign entity came in and made a mockery of it. It was probably the lowest point in, um, in Israel's history. It felt like all hope was lost. But that devastation spurred revolt. And finally, the Jews became self-governing again. And in Jewish history, this is known as the time of the Maccabees. You guys, are you tracking with me? You know the time of the Maccabees? You following? Okay. In 164, the temple was cleansed. Daily offerings resumed. And a moment, uh, a moment the Jews still celebrate today as Hanukkah. Okay. So I'm giving us some history here. And there's a reason we're walking down this path. See, this seems like a fresh start. They're back in the temple. They're, they're making their sacrifices once again. They're worshiping the God as they, as they knew him to be worshipped. There was hope. Yet, once again, there was this glimmer, this glimmer of hope for the first time in centuries. God's people were no longer living under pagan rule. How long did that last? About a hundred years. Lasted about a hundred years. In 63, a civil war erupted within uh, the nation of Israel that lasted until the Roman emperor by the name of Pompey came and just devastated and took control and desecrated the temple. Once again, God's people were under um, foreign, like were being crushed under this foreign pagan rule. History tells us that things actually could have been worse because what happened is uh, the Roman emperor actually appointed a king, a puppet king named Herod the Great. And he kind of governed and managed everything uh, from this, the, the Jewish people. He appointed the official Herod the Great. He took, um, he did some major renovation in the temple. And yet once again, this was, this was, uh, the, they were able to, to worship. But Herod, he wasn't the king that the prophets talked about. He was, he was that puppet king that we mentioned earlier. And any attempt to resist the Roman temper, Roman emperor was stamped out like a cigarette butt. Now, why the history lesson? Because this is the culture this is the environment. This is the, these are the waters that we come into today. This was the hopeless world that a, uh, a girl, a Jewish girl named Mary was born into. We can't imagine this place, can we? We can, in our mind's eyes, we look at some of the historical facts. We can maybe begin to... Um, to process a little bit. Maybe it gives, an, gives us an appreciation. But it, this type, what was going on here, what these people experienced, the world that Mary was um, born into was completely different than anything we'd ever known. Anything we would probably ever know in our lifetime. Hard for us to imagine. And yet, it was during this time that Galatians reminds us uh, in chapter four, verse four, it says, "But when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. This was the perfect time. 
for God to send forth His Son to be born of a woman. Now, we don't know much about Mary's background. We know that she was born during this time. We don't know uh, um, a whole lot about her life, but we do know that she was probably very poor. Uh, She was engaged to a man named Joseph, and she lived in a a backwoods village in a region called Galilee in a city called Nazareth. We know that much about her. But we know it's probably not a great resume. If, if, God's, going to, uh, if God's going to bring forth the king, if God's going to, to have a king birthed, probably, like, we wouldn't probably do it with somebody with this type of a resume, would we? We wouldn't want this type of a person we, to be the, uh, the face of, of our company if we were um, in these shoes. She's unimpressive. She's easily forgettable. But unimpressive, Mary from backwoods Nazareth was the woman that God sent an angel to. Um, she was the woman that God sent an angel to with the words of a prophecy that God's ancient promises were finally coming true. This is who God chose to bring his promises through. This is who God chose to let us know that his promise of a coming king is going to happen. And look at the first words that Mary hears. Luke 2.28 says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And Mary knew that she's probably, she wasn't very special. Um, Mary wasn't born into a a prominent family. She knew that she wasn't a, a special person, but here was an angel saying the exact opposite. This nobody girl from nowhere important is being told that you are favored. That you have favor from God. That an angel would actually come to her to let her know these things. Mary was a woman that lived in a culture that didn't really appreciate women at all. Didn't appreciate them any more than um, people property that could produce offspring. That's the culture that she lived in, but yet she's being told by this king, or this this angel, that she is a favored one, that she is special. So for her to hear from a messenger of God that she was valued and uh, favored was strange to her. Um, Try to process it with me, all right? This this entire story, guys, is completely, I'm just going to say it crazy, isn't it? Like, when you think of the story of how Jesus came to be born, he was born of a virgin Mary, this uh, Mary who's this backwards person that wasn't prominent at all. It's not being done in a way that we would actually probably bring a king forth. It, it's entirely crazy. <coughs> there's no wonder that there's doubters, right? Because it's, it's, it's hard to believe. It's a miraculous story. So, I want... For Mary to be in this position, could you imagine, can you understand why she was greatly troubled? If you were in her shoes, would you not be the same way? It would be like, imagine seeing color for the first time. Like if everything were black and white, and then all of a sudden you were able to see the the beauty of the, the fall trees. Wouldn't that just shock you a little bit? Or maybe you've lost your sense of smell and um, 
you like a good steak cooked on the grill. You know how that smells, right? You guys hungry? You've lost your sense of smell. But now you smell this incredible aroma. And you're like, man, what is this? I've, I've got to figure this out. Mary is now seeing her entire life through a completely new lens. Let's not, let's not move past how amazing this moment is that Mary's experiencing. This story, we hear it year after year after year after year, and I, th- I think we read over it quite a bit. I think we take it for granted a little bit, but I, was, I just want us to stop for a minute. This is a woman whose entire life is changed because of an encounter with this angel. It'd be like seeing color for the first time. Looking at life through the whole new lens. It troubled her. It bothered her. And she had some things in her mind that she had to work out. She had some things in her mind that she had to process. There was some genuine fear that was going on in her. But God doesn't leave her hanging. His messenger goes on to give this promise that through her, a king was about to be born. A king was about to be born, but not just any king. This is, the, the, uh, this is a king that the entire nation had been waiting on for centuries. This is the king that everybody had hoped for. This is the king that everyone had wanted. This is the king that people like just wanted so desperately. This is the deliverance that they had hoped for for so long. This is what Mary was receiving. This is the message that she was being told. And I like Mary because I, I think the way she reacted would have probably been very similar to the way I may have reacted. What about you? Put yourself in her shoes. She asked the question, how is this going to happen? How will this be since I'm a virgin? Okay, I'm hearing you, dude. (laughs) I'm hearing you, Mr. Angel. But how is this going to be since I am a virgin? And maybe as she was processing some things in her mind, um, maybe she thought her fiancé Joseph is going to be the father and that their entire life is going to be changed uh, that way. But then Gabriel drops another bomb. Not only are you Miss Mary from Backwoods Nazareth, who nobody knows, who's a virgin, not only are you going to give birth to the king, but here is how it's going to happen. Verse number 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Mic drop, right? (laughs) Can you imagine that conversation? Conception and pregnancy in itself is miraculous. That in itself is is miraculous. Like, I remember when when Jen, um, over 20, how old are you, Cole? 26? Over 
26 years ago when she got pregnant. I remember, uh, you know, watching this baby grow in her. And my uh, daughter-in-law, Cheyenne, I came up to her this morning. It may be weird for, uh, I asked her, she said it was okay, but I touched her belly. I like seen that little belly form and it's growing. Pretty incredible. Like pregnancy in itself is miraculous. And it's fun to watch my grandkids in utero. I'm reminded of how credible it is, but Mary was experiencing something else. The angel said that the Holy Spirit of God, okay, so we went through Genesis last year. The very first few verses of Genesis said that the Spirit hovered over The same Holy Spirit that hovered over creation right before creation began to take place is is going to be the one that's going to create this baby within Mary's womb. That is who we're talking about. The Spirit who inspired great kings and prophets, that is who we're talking about, um, which is going to overshadow her. And then the Son of God Himself would grow in her. He would stretch She would feel his kicks. She would um, experience the sickness that comes along with with being pregnant. She would experience this all within her womb. We're so accustomed to the claim that Jesus is the Son of God that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around how crazy, how wild this message was. This was the one true maker of all things. That's where we're at. Now, you're Mary. Try to sell this bill of goods to everyone else. Try, try to, to, to let everybody else know that this angel visited you and um, that not only are you pregnant out of wedlock, but you're pregnant with God's son. That's, in her society, in her culture, just, the, just being pregnant out of wedlock, she's, she's done. She was already poor, now she's destitute. But to, to cap it off with this idea that you're pregnant with the Messiah, the, you're, the, the King of Kings, God himself, you know what that's going to result in? Stoning. You're, you're, you're probably going to die. But look how she responded. I can't believe she's okay with this. It's, it's, it's an amazing story. Luke one thirty eight says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. All right. God, I'm good. I'm good with this. I'm going to trust you. No more questions. No more fear. They're all gone. And here's what I want us to see. God was with Mary because He gave her hope of a coming King. All of this, all of this stuff, this entire story, Mary had hope that there's a coming King. 
There's going to be one that's going to come that's going to change the entire world. She believed the message that she received. She trusted that God's way was best. God was with Mary because he gave her hope of a coming king. And honestly, City Light, I don't think that, I don't think that things are much different today, right? I think um, as, we, as we think about what we're, uh, what we're moving toward, as we think about uh, how we celebrate um, our, our Christmas this year, as we think about where we are, um, the world that we've been born into, the place that we live, the culture that we're experiencing, I think we have hopes. I think our families, both in the past, where we come from, I think we've all um, trusted in these kings. We are all, just like the nation of Israel, we are all looking for something to put our hope in. We're all looking for something to put our faith in that gives us a little bit of hope. We all have these little kings that we're looking for. These little kings that, we're, that we want to trust in. These little kings that, um, that we think are going to be the answer to our life. You guys tracking with me? Am I, am I, am I by myself in this city light? Huh? We're all looking for these little kings. I don't think things are much different today than they were in the first century. Um, but think about it like this. Um, a king, if, I, if I've got to convince you, think about it like this. A king is anyone or anything you serve who has power in your life. A king is anyone or anything you listen to and build your life around. So if I've not yet convinced you, maybe those words will help. A king is anything you're building your life around. I think we all serve some type of king. And here's what I want us to, uh, here's what I want us to see. We all try to serve these lesser kings. And eventually, we realize that they don't produce what they think they're going to produce. We serve lesser kings like comfort, materialism, gluttony, laziness. Or maybe things like sex or the next high. We serve kings like significance and influence only to find out that they're kings, but they're kings actually who enslave us. They aren't faithful kings like Jesus. They have no concern for our joy or for our peace. These kings don't show us love or give us hope. They leave us on the outside wondering how we can get more. They never match up to the promises that they make. So God was with Mary because he gave her hope of a coming king. And City Light, I want you to hear this today. God is with us because he gives us hope of a coming king. You see, Jesus has come, but Jesus is going to come again. Jesus is going to come again. He gives us hope that he will come again, this King Jesus. He's, he lets us know that he's more than we could ever imagine. He's a perfect king, and one day we're going to spend an eternity worshiping him, or we're going to spend an eternity separated from this King Jesus. We get to worship this King, uh, this king Jesus a million different ways, and he shows us that he's better than any other king than we can ever imagine. 
Jesus is the coming king, and that gives us hope. But the good news isn't just a story that Jesus is the coming king. The good news is that Jesus is the coming king, and yet he still invites us in. He's still inviting us in. That's what gives us hope, the fact that Jesus is inviting us in. The rest of the Gospel of Luke tells the story of how this Jesus, uh, he, he grew up, he performed miracles, he healed people, he called people to follow him, he served the poor. It tells how this religious crowd turned on him and eventually led the charge to have him crucified. It tells that he died on a cross, that he was buried in a tomb, but that that tomb couldn't hold him, and that he rose from the dead, and he saw his friends again, and he told them how things were going to happen, and then he ascended into heaven and said, don't worry, one day I'm coming back. I'm going to be back, guys, and you're going to see that Jesus is a different kind of king, and he invites us in. As he's talking to those people, before he ascends, he says, I need you to do something. I need you to go and make disciples, tell people about this crazy, radical story, how I was virgin born, how I lived a perfect life, how I died your death, and how that I rose again, proving that I'm different than any other human that ever walked this planet. I need you to tell that story because it's going to result in more people following me. But yet I'm coming again. City Light, that's the miracle of Christmas. Christmas isn't a time of year when we celebrate that Jesus, um, that Jesus just sent us an invitation to the party. That's not what Christmas is about. We don't celebrate the fact that he emailed us a, a link and said, hey, you're welcome to come to uh, our Christmas Eve gathering this year. That's not what this is all about. Christmas reminds us that King Jesus invited us in by becoming one of us. King Jesus, he left his throne, slept in a stable, walked among us, and then he hand-delivered this invitation to welcome us into his family. Now, being a pastor, Kenan and I, we, uh, we have in our mind's eye we don't shepherd a building, guys. That's not what we pastor. Um, we shepherd people. And so as we develop these sermons, um, our hope is, um, is that they mean something. And as, as I develop this sermon this week, um, I, I have to acknowledge that there's at least three different types of people in this room. Okay? There's the skeptic, there's the curious, and there's the convinced. I just want to let you know I'm glad all three of you are here. (laughs) Super stoked that everyone's here. To the skeptic this morning, I just want want to tell you thanks for considering this message. Thanks for having the courage to step in to this building. Thanks for hearing this message again. And my hope is that this morning, if you're, if you're a skeptic, that maybe you take one more step toward Jesus. My job today isn't to convince you. I'm not going to try to close the sale. I'm not going to try to get you to pray a prayer. 
But I want you to know that you were in my mind's eye this morning, this week, as I developed a sermon. Then there's the curious. You came into this place wondering if this story of Jesus could be true. Maybe this morning, your next step is to believe. And if that's a step you want to take, I just want to give you an opportunity on how you do that. If you're curious this morning, you're thinking, I'm not a skeptic, but I want to know more. Maybe today is the day you believe. And you just, and to do that, you, you admit that you're a sinner. You, you believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he actually did for you, not for your neighbor, not for the crazy uncle, not for that mean guy or that mean girl at work, but he did, actually did it for you. You're the sinner. Believe that what he did on the cross, he did for you, and then see you commit your life to following him. That's it. If you're curious this morning, you want to take that step of walking with Jesus, that's, that's one way. Okay? That's a way. And then there's the convinced. You guys have followed Jesus for years, but you're still struggling with those lesser kings. You're still struggling with those little kings that you've built up in your life. You still struggle uh, with uh, the fact that they've overpromised and under, underdelivered. You see how these lesser kings have left you empty-handed, and you're like, I'm done. Can I, can I just tell you this morning? King Jesus invites you into. Yeah, he invites you into. We've all served the lesser kings. And you know what keeps me from, uh, like when I, when I get in the rut of serving those lesser kings, pastors, pastors do it too. <laughs> just so you guys know, pastors are some of the, uh, we, we can be pretty messed up, right? Like just, that's just the way it is. Um, you know what? keeps me from leaving that lesser king and repenting and turning back to Jesus. Shame. Guilt. Um, regret. Oh man, I did it again. Surely Jesus doesn't have the grace to let me come back to him this time. Huh? I'm convinced, but yet I serve those lesser kings. King Jesus invites you into He invites you to lay down the burden. He invites you to lay down the shame, the guilt, and the struggle of serving those lesser kings and turn to Him. Life as a believer is a life of consistent and constant repentance. Admitting that these things that you chase, that you find value in, have let you down yet once again, but yet turning to Jesus in His grace. And here's what that might look like for you guys. For me, get with a friend. Get with a city group leader. Get with one of us pastors. At the end of our gathering, we're going to have some people in the back that's, man, they're willing to pray with you. Just confess that, that this is what I've been serving. This is the little king that I've been serving. And I'm just tired of it. Like I, I know that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for me. I've, I trusted that, but man, this week I've been serving this little king. This month I've been serving this little king. This, this year I've been serving this little king. 
And I'm just ready to stop. And he can ask that question. You think Jesus is going to take me back? And that friend or that city group leader or that pastor or that person in the back is going to say, oh man, yeah, Jesus is full of grace. Jesus is full of love. He wants you back. So just confess that this is what I've been serving and I'm tired. Would you help me lay it down and show me how to serve King Jesus? City Light, I love you guys. I want us to celebrate together. I want us to celebrate the fact that Jesus is the faithful king. He's the coming king. He's the one that gives us hope. And he invites us in. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you included this ridiculous story of how you came, your messenger came to a a virgin girl in a messed up time. He was just trying to get by and your message of good news changed her life. Your message of hope of an everlasting king of a, who has an eternal dominion who will not end changed her life. And in simple faith she received that message. She believed that message we're grateful that you included this ridiculous story and God I pray Lord that this morning each of us would receive this ridiculous story as we've heard it and may it change our life yet once again may it change our life for the first time may it draw us closer to you and may it Give us uh, the power. May give us the faith to keep taking one more step. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.